Welcome to the JMP Cast. I'm your host, Josiah Michael Pyatt. This podcast is centered around the question what does it look like to live in our identity in Christ and to actively participate in the Father's kingdom that's in our midst? On today's episode, we're going to look at Paul's personal journey of discovering the call of God on his life. Through learning Paul's story, we're going to see insights in how you and I can discover the call of God on our own life and the role that we are to play in his body. Have you ever felt like there's got to be more to this walk with Jesus than what you are currently experiencing? Have you ever gone to a church, sat in a pew or a chair, and if you're honest with yourself, you ask this question, is this it? Is this all that there is to walking with Jesus? Or maybe you're with your friends who are Christians and they're about to go into this conversation that you've had a hundred times over and you're just at this point where you're like, I don't know if this is it. I don't know. There, is there something more here? Is there something more to following Jesus than just having these circle conversations? Is there something more than just going through these emotions that it seems like at one moment I'm good, at one moment I'm bad? Is there, is there anything else here? Can I tell you that as a pastor, I have been there many times. And some of my closest friends who are passionate followers of Jesus have been there too. Today, I'm not going to give you a direct answer to this question. But instead, I want to point you to a direction that I wish someone would have pointed to me when I was struggling through these things, especially when I first started receiving the love of Christ and saying yes to his ways. So if you've been following along with these episodes, we are still going through this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. By this point in the letter, Paul has with precision and great detail reminded this church of the gospel of Christ Jesus, which they had heard and received. He has brilliantly pointed this church's attention back to the Christ Jesus. He has reminded them that through Christ and what he has done, all things have been restored and reconciled to him. That we have been made holy, blameless, and above reproach. And that, that knowing will be showing in the way that we have trust in a stableness and a steadfastness in the way that we walk in our life with Christ Jesus. You see, Paul, in this next section that we're about to go into, he's going to go more specifically through a personal story of of what he's been called to do. You see, there is a certain level in which every follower of Jesus is meant to know Christ, to know of him intimately and personally, and for that to be shown through through the things that we've talked about in in this podcast already, but also through the fruit of the Spirit, which is something that we haven't actually talked about yet in this series. And so there's this general calling, there's this general sense of direction that all followers of Jesus are heading on. But what Paul is going to do in this little section is he is going to talk about the trail that only he has been called to walk through. What I'm hoping we will see and what I'm hoping we will hear in this message today is that there is more at the table for you and for me and to walk in. I am hoping that Paul's words of his, his telling of his own journey, that something in this will inspire you and me to continue to walk in the path that God has made specific for us. Let's pray before we go any farther. Father, I ask that right now you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. I ask that you would give us a mind that is being renewed through your spirit. 
God, allow us to see the things that you would like us to see, to hear the things that you would like us to hear, and to have the heart and the courage to say yes to this. God, I pray that you would just use the things that you're going to show us to really manifest in our life, that we would be changed because of what you have done. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are for us. Thank you for sending your son to die for us, that you have redeemed us, that we have been reconciled by the blood of the lamb. Father, you are good. You are holy. God, we fix our eyes on you. Oh, would we hear the words of Paul afresh and anew, Lord? Would you use this as you used it in the letter that he wrote all those years ago? Oh, Jesus, speak to us. We're listening. Amen. So this is Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 25. And as always, this is the English Standard Version. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. Paul is describing his specific role that God has entrusted him to steward within the body of Christ, the church. I don't know if you know this today, but we are part of a body. All of those who have said yes to the gospel, who have said yes to following Jesus, are now been given a new heart through the Holy Spirit and have now been attached to being in Christ, the body. And in this body, we have a specific role that we are meant to play. Do you know that the Father desires to impart in you a heart that breaks for the sake of a specific people, in a specific place, in a specific way? Paul, is his heart has broken for a specific people, that is the church, in a specific place, and that is all the regions that he had access to in a specific way, which was for him to proclaim the mystery of Christ, for them to fully know God. But how did Paul come to this realization? Because do you know today that Jesus has actually placed you on this earth for a specific reason, for for you to live in a specific way? Again, remember, the overall theme of this letter is to know and to show God. So there is a generality that all followers of Jesus will fall within. You know, we are all meant to know the grace of Christ. We are all meant to know this gospel, to know the love of God. We are all meant to know that we are holy, blameless, and above reproach. We are all meant to be trusting in Christ Jesus, that we are stable and steadfast. Right, The things that we've been looking at in grace and in peace. But even in the midst of all those things, there is an aspect in which we are all called to play a specific role within the church. We are not all called to the same way of living. Let me say it differently. We are not all called to the same path, but we are all called to walk in the same way, and that is with Christ. So how did Paul come to this realization of what his role was to being in the church. I believe when we look into this backstory, we will be able to see and hopefully understand how you and I can begin to understand the role that God has called us to play within the greater body. 
So I want us to actually jump out of the book of Colossians for a minute and dive into the book of Galatians. Now, to be clear, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Galatia for a specific reason in a specific way. But in the midst of what he's describing to the church in Galatia, there's a biography, like a a bit of a backstory that Paul gives to the church in Galatia about how he became a faith. So I want us to read this and hear what Paul has to say about his own journey of discovering who he is in Jesus and who Jesus was and how Jesus has called him to be. So let's read this. This is Galatians chapter 1 verses 11 to 24 in English Standard Version. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to pause there for one second. So Paul, his, his real name was actually Saul before he became a Christian. And essentially, he was this religious leader who was actually so zealous for the God of the Old Testament that when he saw Christians, he saw them as a threat to the God of Torah. And so he was persecuting them to the point where Stephen, who's in his record, his life is recorded in Acts. He's one of the first martyrs for the faith. Paul was actually there in support of Stephen's death. And so what happened was Paul was on the road to Damascus. And while he was on this road, he encountered the man, Jesus Christ. And through this encounter, his whole life has changed. And so this is him describing what it was like when he had the revelation of who Jesus Christ was. So now I'm I'm in verse 13. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach among the Gentiles. So Paul is saying, before the foundations of the world, Jesus saw the man Paul and designed him to be in the generation that he was living in. He designed him to have an encounter with with Jesus Christ. And through this encounter, he was going to see who Jesus was, the love of the Father that Paul, Paul experienced. And yet in this love, in this transaction, in this transfer, in this relational encounter, this divine encounter, what does Paul say that it was on to? He says, in order that I may preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the region of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. So Paul, in this description in Galatians, is saying that from the road of Damascus, from this encounter that he had of who Jesus was, when he encountered Jesus, 
there was this moment where he received his love. And then it's interesting to me that he went to Arabia. You see, Paul left for three years. And we're not exactly sure where he went completely, like the specific place. And we're not sure exactly what happened there. But I really like what this uh, scholar named N.T. Wright has to say about this, what his thoughts are. So N.T. Wright basically says that he believes that Paul went to Arabia in a similar way that the prophet Elijah had to go to Mount Sinai to get his vision reshaped in order for him to fulfill the very thing that God wanted him to do. So what N.T. Wright kind of proposes, you can Google it for yourself if you want to read the article, but essentially, maybe I should throw it in the show notes. I don't know how to do that, but I'll try to do that so it's in there. But essentially, um, to get back to the story, sorry, uh, Paul... Paul goes to Arabia and what N.T. Wright is supposing is that Paul went to Arabia to have an encounter with God. Now that Paul had experienced the revelation of Jesus Christ, he took time away from just going right into what God had called him to do and God called him to be to have this set apart time for him to discover more who Jesus was and what he was to do. So whatever happened in those three years What we do know is that the end result was Paul walked away on fire for this mission of preaching the gospel to the Jews and to the Gentiles, to be a minister who proclaimed the gospel to the church. So there was this time period where Paul discovered who he was in Christ and the role that he was to play. But this took time. There was a time period that he needed to take a break from from doing things for Jesus and for being just in him and learning more about who Jesus was and what the Father had brought him into earth for. And it was in this season that God planted in Paul this security of who he was, but also what his role was to play in that generation. Now, I am not an expert in Christianity. I am not a scholar. I have much to learn in. I have much to know, to grow in. I have much to become more in my walk with Jesus. There's a lot more growing up to do. But I'll tell you, in the last 10 years, I have been fully, completely devoted to following Jesus. I have not done this perfectly. I am full of mistakes and I still have a lot to grow in. But I'll tell you, through these years, I'm convinced of this. Even with four of these years, I studied, the Jesus led me to studying the Bible in an academic setting. And even despite having exposure to the charismatic world, to all sorts of denominations, to the scholarship world, I'm telling you, through these years, I have not found any reason to believe that this is not scripturally true. If anything, I feel more strong about this position that I have than ever before. And that is this. I believe that Jesus Christ has designed you and me to be in this generation. I believe he has placed us here on a purpose. With the family, the neighborhood, the city that we live in. I believe it was all intentional. Now, remember, we also know that God has allowed us to have free will. And so evil can come in and certain things can shift and change. But this evil cannot be more powerful than the blood of the lamb. And therefore, God's purpose can still be revealed even through tragedy, even through death, even through horrible things. Do you know why Jesus has placed you in this generation? Do you even know 
that this is a question that we need to be asking as followers of Jesus. Now, there is a true north that we follow. There's a true north that we stand by as followers of Jesus. And that is that the ultimate end of our existence is to know the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is our ultimate aim. That is our ultimate purpose. That is our ultimate privilege. But the path in which we are to take in the process of this knowing is going to be different. Although it may show in the same way, like the fruit of the Spirit, the stable and steadfast, being holy and blameless, being forgiven, although it is to be manifested ultimately in love, there is an imprint that only you can make on this generation and there is an imprint that only I can make. I believe we all have a task that has been given to us by the Father. I do not believe that we have been placed in this generation by accident. I believe the Father desires to reveal himself to us and to invite us into a partnership with him in his plans for this generation. Let's read the words of Paul again in Colossae to hear it in a fresh way. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. For the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word fully known. That was given to me. You see, Paul is is reflecting on his time, that time between Damascus and Arabia, those three years. That is when this revelation was given to him, that he is to be a minister of the gospel to the churches. Now, he describes the church as a body. You see, we are all a member of Christ Jesus. We are a member of the body of Christ. We are a member of the church. There are many parts to this body, but we each have a part to play. We each have a role. For Paul, his role is to minister the gospel, to reveal the mysteries that have been made plain through Christ, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. But what is the role that God is asking you to play? What is the part of the body that you are designed to be in, in the church? Who is your for the sake of? You see, there comes a point in our walk with Jesus where it becomes less about what we are and more about what he is. And as it becomes more about Jesus and as our eyes and our affection and as our attention goes on to him, as we learn more, as we grow more in him, as we learn more of who we are as holy and blameless and above reproach, as we become stable and steadfast, as we walk in the way that's worthy of the gospel, as a way that's worthy of Jesus, as we grow in him, there's something that is revealed to us. And that is that this life is no longer about you and it's no longer about me. There becomes an impartation of the father's heart for the broken, for the father's heart for the lost, for the father's heart for those who are in need. I love that Paul uses this word stewardship. You see, God gives us, he entrusts us with a, with a task. He entrusts us with a burden that we are to partner with him in. God did the work. He saved us. and It's not our doing. But there's an opportunity that you and I get to have as we walk in the direction that God has called us to that allows us to experience him in new and fresh ways. 
So for Paul, let's get specific. So Paul had this macro calling, and that was to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, to minister to the church. So Paul had this this overarching theme of his life, this overarching calling, the trail that he was meant to take in. Again, all these things are, he's rooted in who he is in Christ. His eyes are on Jesus, but there is a way that he was called to be, and that was to be an apostle. Not everyone in the church in Colossae was called to be an apostle. In fact, I don't even think he mentions one of them as an apostle. And so please don't hear me wrong in this. This is not to say that we are all called to do what Paul was called to do, but this is to say we are all a part of this body and there's a part that God has uniquely designed you and I to play in. And so there's this macro calling for Paul, which is to minister to the church. But then there's this micro action and direction that happens practically that's led by the spirit season to season. You see, Paul's journey as a follower of Jesus led him to many different places. He had been rich. He had been poor. He had been shipwrecked. He had been in prison. He had been beaten. He had been accepted. He has been rejected. There was all these different spheres, all these different places that God had led him to. But no matter what position or what posture that Paul found himself in, he always carried the same thing, which was that he was an apostle of Christ Jesus, a minister of the God, spoil to to the church, to those around him. So it didn't matter where he was. That's who he was. That didn't sound right, but you know what I'm trying to say. And so my question for you is, what is the macro stewardship that God has entrusted you with? What is this macro theme? What is your part to play in the body of Christ? Because there is a part that only you can play. This is a beautiful opportunity. This is a beautiful invitation. And with that macro in mind, maybe you don't know your macro. We're going to go there later. But if you do know that macro, what are the micro moments of your week, even this week, where you are to display this, where you are to take this trail? Please do not forget this. This is so important. Paul in another letter says that he has gained so much. He has lost stuff. He's gone through all these different things. He's, he's had powerful encounters. He has, he's seen miracles. He's seen people converted. He's seen church plants. All these different things happen. And yet he says the most important thing to him, all of it he counts as nothing if it wasn't for knowing Christ Jesus. This is all onto us knowing him. The thing that God has entrusted us with is with the aim of us growing deeper in our relationship with Jesus. We cannot lose this. Our identity is not in the task. Our identity is in who we are in Jesus. It comes out of the security of our identity, out of intimacy that God then reveals the task that we are to have. Because without this security of who we are in him, our task becomes our identity. And then whether it's going well or going poorly will depend on what our mood is and how good we are and what spot we are with, with, our, um, with our life. So if, for example, for me, if I'm called to preach or whatever else and it's going well and people are receiving it well, well then now my identity is built up and I start feeling accomplished. Pride starts rushing in. But then if I preach and no one cares and no one likes it and all this stuff and my identity is in that task, then now I'm depressed and I'm anxious and I'm insecure and I'm questioning, did God even say this? Da, 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 da. No, what happens is Jesus secures us in who we are as sons and daughters And then out of that place, he gives us the task. And as we steward our relationship with him, we end up having joy through the task, regardless of the results. 
because the ultimate result that you and I desire is not for tangible things, but to know him, to grow closer to him, to abide in him, to experience him in deeper ways. And that's regardless of how people respond. So in closing today, if you can resonate with that question of, is this it? Is this all there is to following Jesus? What I, can I just in a loving way and in a way that's not judgmental because I've been there too. I get it. I'm, I, it's so, it can be so challenging. But, but I have to ask, I have to say this question, which is I think we've lost focus on, on our Savior. We've lost focus on Jesus. And we, we maybe our eyes are not on him when we're asking that question, but our eyes are on our circumstances. It's on what's around us or what's happened in the past or where we think our future is heading as opposed to it being on Jesus himself. But Paul is inviting us to keep our eyes on the prize, to keep our eyes on Christ Jesus. We may have lost focus on our role or maybe we didn't even know that we had a role to play. Maybe we didn't know that our life is for the sake of someone else. You know, some of us have hit a wall in our relationship with Jesus because we've made it simply about our own life and our own experience. We've made it about a relationship. We've made it about a job. We've made it about a feeling. We've made it about um, an intellectual security. We've made it about our accomplishments. We've made it about our ambitions. And so we put these things and we say, God, if you're good, you'll do these things. God, if you're good, you'll do, you'll, you'll give me that job. You'll give me that relationship. You'll give me the money. You'll give me the stature. You'll give me the status. You'll give me the influence. You'll give me the power. But I believe there's an invitation that we have today to step out of this place of selfishness and to enter into the place of freedom. Because those thoughts, those desires actually all lead to a trap. It leads us to just keeping our eyes on ourselves and missing out on the freedom that Christ has so freely paid for us to live in. There's something that shifts when we fix our eyes on him and ask him the deeper questions of who is our for the sake of. I have a feeling that some of you listening to this did not know as Jesus followers that there is a role that you are to play specifically. Can I recommend that you would just lean into this question and that is who is your forsake of? You are placed here for a purpose. You are placed here for a reason. Again, do not forget we are secure in who we are. We know that we are the father's children. But out of this place, there's a burden. There is an anguish that God wants to implant in us for the sake of others. There's an other that God is asking you to pray for. There's an other that God is asking you to build relationships with. There is an other that God is asking you to invite into your family, into your friend group. There's an other that you are meant to serve. Would we be hungry and thirst for Jesus? Would we be thirsting for him, for his direction? You know, for Paul, he had to set apart this time. There was this moment where he encountered Jesus for the first time. And then he set, upon, set apart this three-year journey. And in that three-year journey, these things began to reveal to why he was here. There was an anchoring and a security that he needed to grow in, in his identity in Jesus. For some of us, we've never given the time to actually have those things grow in us, to have those things be secure in us. And for some of us, we need to step away from, the, from maybe even the ministry that we're doing right now and we need to take an extreme time of fasting and praying, of reading scriptures, of seeking counsels with other men and women that we respect, fathers and mothers of the faith. 
to walk us with to walk with us as we learn who we are and we get re-secured in who we are. Now I also suspect that some people may be listening to this and maybe you've been following Jesus your entire life. And yet, if we ask that question, who is your forsake of? What is the role that you are to play in the church? You have no answer. Oh, can I say this in a way that's not condemning or judgmental? But can I just tell you that I believe that Jesus is inviting you in this moment to grow deeper. There's no shame. There's no guilt. Oh, let's just get over ourselves and look at him. But can I tell you, if you are a follower of Jesus and you don't have an answer to that question, what is the role that you are to play in the church? Can I just tell you that there's more at the table? It's like that earlier episode, if you listen, there's more at the table for us to experience. Oh, would we seek the Father? Would we seek Him for direction? Would we, speak, would we seek Him for a revelation of who we are and the role and the task that we are to play? I also have a suspicion that there's some people who are listening to this who need to go back into some old journals that they've written Maybe it's a diary, maybe it's a notebook, maybe it's a document on your laptop or on your phone. And maybe it happened when you first started to know Jesus, when you first started having encounters with him. And there were things that were prophesied over you, there were things that he showed you, and they have not come to pass. And there are things that you've put on the shelf because you've just said, you know what, too much time has passed, too much things have happened, it's too late for me. Maybe there's there's circumstances that you uh, self-induced and now you feel like it's too late for you to do those things. Or maybe you just, you try to do those things and it just didn't work out. I don't know what the circumstance is, but I believe that Jesus is inviting us right now to go back to those journals, to go back to those notes, to go back to those prophecies that have been spoken over us of the tasks that we are to play. And I believe that Jesus is inviting us to surrender our hearts, to surrender our lives, to our dreams, our desires to him again, our hurts and our pains, our bitterness, all of it over. And through this surrender, he's inviting us to take steps again. Like I said, there's this macro and a micro. And maybe you've, you, you've neglected the macro and now it doesn't even show at all in your micro. And I believe Jesus, as you surrender to him, as you give these things back to him, as you reflect on these things that have been spoken, there's some micro decisions that are going to be needing to be made for you to walk with him. Again, this invitation is for you to know him more, to grow closer to him. But let us not forget the very first thing that Paul says in this, in this section. He says, rejoice in your suffering. You see, suffering is inevitable when we walk the trail that Jesus lays for us. So when suffering comes, in no way does it mean that we heard wrong. In no way does it mean that we stepped out of bounds. He has invited us to partner with him. What allowed Paul to rejoice? How could he rejoice through his suffering? Remember, Paul is writing this from prison. It is the fact that he knows that it's through suffering that he'll grow closer to Jesus Christ which ultimately brings forth a showing of fruit in the people of God that he's very much entrusted him to minister to. I know this is kind of probably a weird closing, but I just want to give a very practical example because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm trying to say. So my wife, Kara Lee, I don't know uh, who's listening to this, so if you know her, there might be a light bulb moment that goes off when I say this, but my wife, the task that she has been given is to bring joy to people. I've been with her for six years now, and we've been married for three, and I have seen this woman work in a cafe. I have seen this woman work at a woman homeless shelter. I've seen her work as a domestic violence uh, social service worker. 
I've seen her run Bible studies. I've seen her preach. I've seen her give pastoral advice. No matter what position that she's been in, there's this commission, there's this anointing that God has given her to bring joy to those around her. She has brought joy in my life in a way that that has just been unexpressible. I just want to say that because I, I want to make sure that you're not hearing me wrong. I'm not saying that you're necessarily called to one job. And if you said no to that job, now like you're out of the will of God and it's like too late for you or anything like that. Like, let's not forget about the gospel. Let's not forget that we are wholly blameless above reproach in Christ Jesus. We are stable and steadfast. Our faith is in him, right? But then there's this task. And when I say this task, maybe that's the wrong language for it. But what I'm saying is that there's a role that we are to play. You know, so for my wife, it's to be this joy bringer. For me, it's something else. For you, it's going to be something else. But I believe that Jesus will reveal this to you as you seek him. So wherever you find yourself today, would you be encouraged to know that the God of creation loves you deeply? He loves you intentionally. He loves you intensely. Would you experience that love in a new and a fresh way? Would you know that he is inviting you to the table, that he has designed a specific place, a specific way that you are to be in the body of his church, to the bride? Oh, would you be secure in who you are today? Would you remember and reflect and live in the truth that you are his son, that you are his daughter? that your acceptance comes from him and him alone, that your significance, that you belong through the blood of the lamb. It is him. It is him. Would our eyes be on him? And oh, would we seek him? Would we grow in our longing to grow deeper with him? Would that be something that shows in our life? Oh, Father, fill us with your presence. Fill us with your peace. God, allow us to just reflect on you? Would there be a hunger that's stirred in us to know you more, to grow in you, to show you, God? Would, if we do not have that trail in front of us, oh God, would there be a, just something that stirs in our heart, even in this moment, to just step out and to start asking, to start seeking, God? Would we have the courage to fast? Would we have the courage to admit that we need help? Would we have the courage to step out in faith and to start pursuing this question? to see what you have called us to be. And God, for those of us who know who we are and the role that we are to play, would we just find rest and peace that we are not what we do, but we are who we are in you. Father, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope something in this has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If you're wanting to stay up to date on these weekly podcasts, the best way to do that would be to subscribe to this channel. If you're wanting to connect with us, you can follow us at the JMP Cast on Instagram or our Facebook page. I hope you'll consider joining me as we continue to journey through this letter as we ask this question, what does it look like to live in our identity in Christ and to actively participate in the Father's kingdom that's in our midst? Have an awesome day. Thanks.